Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. I am Doris Hansen, your host of Polygamy, What Love Is This? And our co-host, Earl Erskine, is here with us tonight. Welcome to the show. Good to see you back again. Yeah, I'm excited to get uh, back to this discussion we've been having. Yeah, hopefully this will close it up for tonight. We're here every Thursday night at this time to talk about uh, Mormon polygamy and all that goes with it uh, historically as well as contemporarily. We do have an announcement um, that we need to make about the play, a production play of Look for the Morning Morning Star. Uh, That play is in the final week of performance at Calvary Chapel in Salt Lake City, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights of this week. Now, the play is set in the 1960s during the Vietnam era, and the story follows a young man's battle for his faith upon his return from the horrors of the Vietnam War. It's a live stave production, and it also features heart-rendering authentic video footage and pictures that score letters written home by a young Marine. There will be three more performances this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights at 7 p.m. The tickets are $5 each, and half of the proceeds will go to the Wounded Warrior Project. Calvary Chapel, Salt Lake City is located in Murray at 460 West Century Drive. That's one block west of I-15, and that's north off of 4500 South. So we encourage our viewers who may be interested to uh, go to the play and watch it. You can also give Calvary Chapel a call if you would like to get more information about that. And I also would like to mention that tonight completes six full years of being on the air for Polygamy, What Love Is This? which is an astounding (laughs) thing to us. Next week we're going to have a special show which will begin our seventh year. So we hope that everyone will tune in and, and watch the show next week. And also very quickly, a couple of weeks ago during a tele- during the telephone time, we received a call from a viewer, uh, and she said that in the Bible, Jesus doesn't call us to have a personal relationship with Him, but He did call us to join my church. Well, her comment really quite bothered me uh, for even long after the show, mostly because a personal relationship with Jesus is what distinguishes Christianity from all of the other world religions. In fact, a personal relationship is a prerequisite to go to heaven. We want to look at a few verses where Jesus expresses the need for a personal relationship with him. It begins with Matthew chapter 7 verse 23 where Jesus said, and then I will will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me and ye that work iniquity. Jesus said, I never knew you. That indicates that there was no personal relationship relationship between that person and Jesus. And then there's Matthew 25, verses 11 and 12. Yeah. Later the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. 
And that indicates a lack of a personal relationship yeah. with those people and with Jesus. And then there, you have a couple of verses in John. Yeah, in John 10, uh, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. So he's talking about knowing, him knowing yeah. us and us knowing a him. Great promise. And, yeah. and that's not just knowing his name. That's a personal yeah. relationship be between the great shepherd and his uh, sheep. And of course, this speaks of Jesus coming into our hearts and lives through the power of the Holy Spirit as a result of our faith and our trust in him. And then the final verse we want to use tonight is in Revelation. Yeah. 3 and 20 it says here I am I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in and eat with him and he with me now here he's calling to those and inviting people yeah. to have a personal relationship he's standing outside the door and yeah. he he's saying I will come in if you will open the door and let me in and that that is indicating the need of a personal relationship with Jesus but nowhere can we find a single verse where Jesus said join my church. Also a couple of weeks ago a viewer called in and she claimed that the Catholic Church began with the twelve, the first twelve disciples. Now I know some of them teach that Peter was the first pope and I think that's what she was getting at but the Bible does not validate that claim. In fact if Peter was the first pope why did he have a wife? You know and I, I we're not here to discuss the Roman Catholic Church that's the farthest thing. I only mention this to encourage everyone, it doesn't matter who you are, everyone to check out what you believe and why you believe it. If it isn't confirmed by the biblical text, it needs to be rejected because it's easy to prove or disprove your religious dogma is biblical, or whether it's based on fact or whether it's based on myths. On myth. myths. <laughs> myths. Yeah. And there are myths too. Yeah. For the past several weeks, we have been discussing the characteristics of counterfeit Christian religious groups. And tonight, we want to finish our discussion. And so we're going to be moving along pretty fast because we there's still several points left to talk about. We left last week, uh, or the last time, on number nine. So we'll start tonight with number 10 of faults of characteristics of counterfeit religious uh, Christian religious groups. And number 10 is that they many of them will have secret ceremonies rituals and covenants that they be required to take. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 verse 37 Jesus said simply let your yes be yes and your no no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now any rituals or covenant taking or doctrinal belief swearing to these uh, covenants or allegiance or religious activity that requires secrecy uh, should instead be screamed from the mountaintops rather than kept secret. Those who pledge life and resources to a religion or a church are in direct opposition to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Only Jesus is worthy of our allegiance, not a church group and certainly not a human being. James 5.12 also. Yeah, it says this, Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you'll be condemned. And this is in the context of, of swearing, yeah. you know, I swear to God and all this. We don't, we are not supposed to do that. And you know, as I was going through this, it's no wonder our culture hates the Bible because the Bible judges against what they're doing. 
-hmm. and, and none of the Old Testament temple activities were secret, not one of them. And every single one of them were sacred, but none were secret. And we can pick up the Bible and read all about everything that went on in the Old Testament temple. It was, it was totally public and nothing was hidden at all. Number 11 on the characteristics is that they will have false prophecies. Now, most counterfeit religious groups actually will have a trail of false prophecies in their historical past that have been prophesied in the name of the Lord, and Joseph Smith did that <laughs> yeah, several, yes. a lot. If someone prophesies 50 times and 49 of them comes true and only one of them doesn't come true, he's still a false prophet. That's God's test. 100% accuracy is what God demands. Now, God knows everything past, present, and future. So if someone claims to be speaking for God and he gets something wrong, he wasn't speaking from God. Everything he has ever said then needs to be ignored and tossed out because he got it wrong. And God's measure is 100% accuracy, no exceptions. We're going to read again in, through Deuteronomy 18 because, and we use these verses a lot, yeah, but they are so sensitive yeah. to this culture. Yeah. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a pro prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. And that's what he says here. If what he proclaims uh, uh, doesn't come true, then it's not from the Lord. Yeah. Now, we're going to look at a couple of prophecies uh, of Joseph Smith's and their false prophecies. He gave more than 50 false prophecies, and we're going to only look at two. But remember, it only takes one failure to prove a man to be a false prophet. We're going to start with Doctrine and Covenants uh, 114, verse 1. This is such an interesting one because David Patton was... Uh, prophesied to go on a mission, and we'll learn about that in just a second. It says, Verily, thus saith the Lord, it is wisdom in my servant David W. Patton that he settle up all his business as soon as he possibly can and make a disposition of his merchandise, that he may perform a mission unto me next spring in company with others, even twelve including himself, to testify of my name and bear glad tidings unto the world. Okay, so this prophecy was made April 17th yeah, in 1838. Right. David W. Patton died six months later, October, in 1838. So he never went on that mission that Joseph Smith, the, the Smith said, Thus saith the Lord. Now, does this matter? This might be like a small detail, but you better believe it matters because Joseph Smith did say, Thus saith the Lord, and God knows everything, and God knew that Patton would die before he could go on that mission. Smith didn't know that, however, so the prophecy was from Joseph Smith, not from God, and he needs to be rejected. Another one is, comes from History of the Church, Volume 5, page 394, uh, prophesying about the United States government. Yeah, just before I read that, the, it, wouldn't it be interesting to have been a friend of David Patton or a wife or some family member, mm. knowing that you had this prophecy in place to be going out and selling your merchandise and getting ready to go on a mission. Yeah. And, then, and then he kills and then over he dead. Dies. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, this is about faith. the United States government be overthrown in a few years. It says, I prophesy in the name of the Lord God of Israel, unless the United States redress the wrongs committed upon the saints in the state of Missouri, 
and punish the crimes committed by her officers that in a few years the government will be utterly overthrown and wasted and there will not be so much as a potsherd left for their wickedness in permitting the murder of men, women, and children and the wholesale plunder and extermination of thousands of her citizens to go unpunished. The okay. history of the church. <laughs> history of the church, right. Yeah. Joseph Smith made this prophecy May 6th of 1843. Today's date is June 5th, 2014. Joseph Smith's few years that he said in that prophecy have come and gone a few dozen times, actually. The United States did not redress any of the wrongs. It's been over 170 years and the United States government has not been overthrown. Joseph Smith was without question a false prophet. He prophesied in the name of the Lord things that did not happen. And he is the one who prophesied polygamy. You know, it's unacceptable to say that Joseph Smith was only a human who made mistakes <laughs> and then forgive him for that. Why are you following a man who made so many stupid mistakes? Jesus became a man and he made no mistake. So he is the one that we need to follow. Jesus plus no one else. And those who follow a false prophet are harming themselves. Now this is so important, yet so ignored by our culture. We want to bring a couple of Bible passages to our viewers' attention, praying that someone out there will understand and will, uh, will, will kind of search it out for yourself so that you will know what God is trying to tell you. We'll start with Jeremiah 14. 14, 14, it says, Then the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them or appointed them or spoken to them. They are prophesying to you false visions, divinations, idolatries, and the delusions of their own minds. Whoa. That's pretty harsh. That, that's pretty harsh. It is, isn't it? False yeah. visions. I yeah. mean, that just hits right in here with this culture and, and delusions of their own mind. This identifies Joseph Smith, Warren Jeffs various polygamy group leaders and many other Mormon leaders who have been guilty of uttering false prophecies in the name of the Lord. And they all say, this doesn't apply to me. We have one in Jeremiah 27. Another one in Jeremiah, it says, I have not sent them, declares the Lord. They are prophesying lies in my name. Therefore, I will banish you and you will perish, both you and the prophets who prophesy to you. So the people that are listening and accepting and, following and, yeah. and the false prophet himself are in deep trouble with yeah. God. You know, God is extremely protective of his word and he warns us not to mess with it. And he doesn't like to be lied about. So he says he will be against those who tolerate false prophets. And yet, despite all these warnings, all these counterfeit religious groups claim that these warnings are for everyone except themselves. Number 12 in our counterfeit characteristics um, is that a mere, a, a counterfeit Christian group will have a mere man who will take the mediator position or be the mediator yeah. for the people in the group uh, and God. Now mind control and brainwashing works when, a, when the people feel that they must have a human leader. Any group that has a man appointed to do what the Bible tells us is Jesus's work is a counterfeit. Whether it's his priest, whether it's a priesthood that they claim, or prophet status, or any kind of a leader mediator, because Jesus alone holds those positions. Another verse we use yeah, a lot here. Out of Timothy two five, and this struck me quite 
quite a bit when I came out of the church was because I I had never had an understanding of this relationship with Jesus. Yeah. I always felt I needed to answer to a bishop, a state president, and eventually to the prophet of the church. So mm -hmm. this is very interesting it here. Is. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, one mediator, yeah. one mediator and that's Jesus. Now, we do the, use this verse frequently on our show because it's, it's so appropriate, yeah. so ignored by this culture. No man, no husband, no prophet or priest or priestess or, or <laughs> matriarch or patriarch, nobody uh, can be a valid mediator between you and God. So watch out for those who demand that you go to another sinner to, to confess your sins or to learn or to earn repentance from someone who also needs to repent every single day. To know Jesus is to know true freedom, including, including freedom from the mediatorship of a man. We have a couple of freedom verses we'd like to share with yeah, you. One out of Second Corinthians and then Galatians. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And in Galatians 5.1 it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now this is freedom that we yeah. have freedom against all those rules and regulations that these religious groups will come up with to mediate between you and God. God wants freedom for us, and of course that includes freedom from slavery to religious rules and ordinances. Mm -hmm. Jesus came to set us free, free from sin of course, but also free from people who try to force us uh, to follow them instead of following Jesus. We cannot follow both God and man. God's way is Jesus plus no one, plus nothing. So watch out for the group with rules that'll put you in bondage with what you can eat or drink. Watch out for the group that requires special observance of Sabbath days and who dictate what you can or cannot do on those days. Jesus came to set us free from those rules. We have a couple of good verses here yeah, about those things. You're not making this up. This is actually in the Bible. Right. So in Colossians 2, it says, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. That ought to bring up a question, shouldn't it? It should, yeah. Or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. And if we have that relationship with Christ, yeah. He fulfilled all the law, we don't have to worry about those things. We have freedom to worship God every day, not just one day, but seven days, all of the other days of the week. We have the freedom to eat or drink whatever we want. There are no New Testament restrictions against work or labor or having fun or anything else on the Sabbath day, or I should say on Sunday, yeah. because the Sabbath Saturday. day is Friday night to Saturday night. And I don't think our culture no, really celebrates the Sabbath day. No, and they always talk about <laughs> keeping the Sabbath day holy, but that, that's, they're, they're using the wrong Sabbath day. That they absolutely yeah. are. Okay, number 14, a counterfeit Christian religion will always teach people that if you leave their group, you will go to hell. <coughs> Mind control, of course, is a weapon that they use, and these groups will use that weapon to instill fear to keep people in their group. They will say things like, if you leave, you're 
going to lose all your friends and family. You will leave, you lose your salvation. Of course, you will go to hell if you leave. And if you don't give us all of your money, your disobedience, you're disobedient and you will fail or the group will fail trying to load on a guilt trip to you. But true Christianity does not exert control over people like that. Christians are free to worship in any Christian church anywhere they want to go. Fear-based control is designed to keep you in their group and gives the leaders tremendous power over you. They teach that leaving the group equals leaving God. But God is a personal God and our relationship with Him is not contingent on our religion or the leader or leadership. The group controls you and your life through fear. But what does God say? 1 John 4:16 it says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. And another one two verses later it says there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And that's exactly right. Yeah. A religion that preaches fear you know, be, be afraid of God or of the group or of religion or breaking the rules or guilt trips and all that is not based on what God's Word says. When, when I was excommunicated from the church, um, we had a... Uh, I, I felt closer to Christ and Jesus than I'd ever felt before. I was beginning to understand more and more about the Bible and yet I was being excommunicated from the Church of Jesus Christ yeah. of Latter-day Saints. No one ever asked me um, in fact, in our court, no one asked me about my relationship with Jesus. With Jesus. They just wanted mm -hmm. to know if I believed the Book of Mormon still, or yeah. Joseph Smith or was Joseph a prophet, Smith. or President Monson was a prophet. Didn't ask me about my relationship with Jesus. Proving that it's a man religion, not a religion yeah. based on God. And you know, we, we did this verse a few weeks ago, uh, two or three weeks ago, where Jesus said, if anyone comes to me, I will never cast them out. So yeah. if you, you don't get excommunicated from Jesus. Yeah, you know, it, from the it truth. was an interesting uh, experience. <laughs> it is. So we just suggest that you reject any group that claims to be better than all of the other groups and groups that will use fear and guilt to manipulate you to stay in their organization. Reject the group who follows someone who says that they hear from God on your behalf because he doesn't. Jesus is our only mediator. Number 15 is that these groups will use information control on their members. It's a characteristic of controlling and abusive religious groups. Information from outside of the group is labeled as being evil and forbidden. Members are told that what they can or cannot read, what they can and can't believe, any negative information is labeled persecution. And if a member is caught listening or reading opposing information, they are often labeled as being an apostate or they're threatened to be kicked out. Uh, members are encouraged to destroy critical information and never entertain the thought that the information could be true. All polygamy groups fall into this category. Mm. They all do this, every one of them. And the saying that has been coined in this culture, don't doubt your doubts or doubt your doubts, not your faith, falls into this category as well and fl flies in the face of God's word. 
Many groups warn their members that, that to stay away from certain internet sites. They might have information that they don't want them yeah, to know. Sure. And this information is dangerous. People <laughs> find the truth and walk away. They end up studying themselves right out of their counterfeit church. Well, you know, one of the cliches in the church is the glory of God is intelligence. I don't know if that's one that you heard in the polygamy mm, uh, arena. I didn't hear that. The glory of God is in intelligence. It. But I remember Lynn Wilder talking about uh, the fact that the critical thought that goes into geology and biology and mathematics yeah. is totally missing when you're your critical thought when you're talking about religion when you're talking about the church you just totally accept it's it gone. and mm -hmm. there's no critical thinking at all no critical thinking and it's not allowed if you even tried to use it it's yeah. not allowed It'd be called into the bishop's office or mm -hmm. something huh? yeah <laughs> and counterfeit religions will discourage trusting the bible because in the bible they will find god's truth and that is dangerous to the stability of the group that's precisely what the serpent did in the beginning when he caused eve to question what god had really said the same voice of the serpent is in the following statement that earl How is many going times to read i've said this we believe the bible to be the word of god as far as it is translated correctly and that putting doubt in your mind that putting, the bible's trustworthy right right absolutely yeah. no mormon or fundamentalist has ever proven that the bible is not translated correctly but they continue on with that lie as if it were true we were raised to believe that satan will tell us 99 truths just to condition us to believe one of his lives and that statement by the way does come from the devil because this is what jesus said in John 8, he says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Okay, yeah. Jesus tells the truth. The devil cannot lie. If the devil cannot tell even a single truth like Jesus said, he surely can't tell 99 truths no. to try to get you to believe one lie. No. Jesus, who is the truth, always told the truth and he taught the truth. And this culture has chosen to believe Satan's lies rather than Jesus's truths. And some of those truths, some of those lies versus the truth is, Jesus said there's no eternal marriage. He said it. He said that, and yet this culture refuses to reject it. That we're, we're told in the Bible not to do endless genealogies. Jesus said He is God's temple. There's no more temple building. There's no pre-mortal existence. Jesus said only He pre-existed, and on and on it goes. And Jesus is the truth. Do you reject the truth? You reject Jesus. The next characteristic of counterfeit religions is spying spying on family and friends and neighbors, something mm. that Nazi Germany did and <laughs> the communist countries and governments utilized friends and neighbors to spy on their citizens all the time. People were encouraged to report anything odd or suspicious to the government leadership. And the several polygamy groups I know for a fact use this identical technique to frighten and to control their members. They wow. use surveillance cameras, uh, they use microphone bugs, telephone tapping, intercepting messages and mail, and hacking into emails. So the members learn to hide their true thoughts and their true feelings from each other. Of course, they don't, they don't trust they who's, don't know who would, who's the spy here. Yeah. 
and they'll, and of course they'll always put on that they the perfect image of a perfect member and they they uh, don't want to appear that they're not measuring up uh, so they won't be looked down upon or punished or worse be considered a possible apostate members learn then to be deceptive unable to trust others they live in fear remember perfect love cast out fear yeah. and they don't want to be accused of something that they didn't do even though they may be innocent it does develop a sense of false guilt in their minds it also teaches those who spy who do the spying to be deceptive and to hurt those they don't like or to exaggerate situations or to maneuver themselves into a trusted position with the leadership and all this of course is done in the name of God that's the sad that's part the sad part isn't it yeah, yeah. But your church leader has no right and no need to spy on anyone to find out what they're doing. It is God who knows everything, and it is God to whom we are held accountable. God is the judge, not the husband, not the bishop, not some prophet or group leader. So if your religion does these things, run run away from it and into the safe and confidential arms of Jesus. Mm -hmm. He already knows everything you've done or everything you wanted to do and get, didn't get the chance or anything else that you might have hidden. Jesus knows it all and he died for all your sins and he's ready to forgive. But forgiveness does not automatically come to everyone. There must be a trust and a godly repentance and a specific turning from religious, false religious beliefs and false religions to Jesus Christ alone. There is no forgiveness outside of Him or any other way. The next characteristic is probably the most dangerous of them all. And it's number 17, and it's extraordinary surrender. This is so dangerous, yeah. but it's proof that something is dangerously wrong if you're ever put into this situation. Because when the leader can manipulate a member this way, they know they have his mind and his will, and that's wrong and it's dangerous. This extraordinary surrender is when members may be required or asked to do something or participate in something that con contradicts God's word, their conscience, and God's goes against their own internal sense of what's right and wrong. It's meant to test their loyalty and their faithfulness, but it does condition the member to, to go against their own values. It deadens their conscience and it trains them to act according to group rules and tradition rather than personal sense of logic or morality. This extraordinary surrender is what Jim Jones did with his followers so that when the time came to drink from the poisoned punch bowl, he knew they'd do it, and over 900 people did do it. When the leader has gained this control, he can ask them to do just about anything, no matter how strange or illegal, and they'll do it. They have already been trained to obey without question. You know, it's interesting that uh, in the temple, and I know polygamists don't go, don't have a temple well, ritual per se. Well, some they? do. Yeah, do some groups do. They have. But I've had heard so many people that have have said that they, that that when they went through the temple, they were confused and and it seemed odd. Mm -hmm. It went against their better judgment and their sensibility. Mm -hmm. Some have even said that it felt very occultish and so on, but. 
but they just let it ride yeah because they figured well family's done it forever mm -hmm. and I'll get used to it or I'll understand it and better later. And that's the trouble. They do get used to it and then it's not yeah. odd to them anymore. And then it's not odd, but it's still, their initial reaction was one of... Something's wrong here. Something's wrong and I don't feel quite right here, but... And that's when and they, the minute they have that, they need to investigate it. Yeah, they should. Because they won't find anything like that going on in the Old Testament temple. Yeah. And War, uh, jo Joseph Smith and Warren Jeffs um, both use this abs this uh, this strange uh, way of of uh, testing their people to um, to test their members if they would be what they were supposed to be. Joseph Smith put Heber C. Kimball to the test to test uh, his extraordinary surrender. And he, of course, Joseph Smith test was totally illegal and immoral and ungodly. We can't help but wonder why Joseph Smith remains such a venerable position in Mormonism. He told Heber C. Kimball God wanted him to give Joseph Smith his wife as a plural wife. And Earl is going to read that story. Yeah, this is uh, Orson Whitney wrote this in the life of Heber C. Kimball. It says, the astounding revelation well nigh paralyzed him. He could hardly believe he had heard aright. Three days he fasted and wept and prayed. Then with a broken and a bleeding heart, but with a soul self-mastered for the sacrifice, he led his darling wife to the prophet's house and presented her to Joseph. It was enough. Joseph wept at this proof of devotion and embracing Heber, told him that was all that the Lord required. The prophet joined the hands of the heroic and devoted pair, and then and there, by virtue of the sealing power and authority of the holy priesthood, Heber and Violet Kimball were made husband and wife for all eternity. This is typical of what a counterfeit religion will do to men's yeah. minds and his behavior. Imagine Heber Kimball willingly, yeah, you know, and, and, and he fretted over that for, I think, yeah, three days or three something days, like that. He said. And, and yet he agreed to give his wife to Joseph Smith as a plural wife. And when this transaction uh, was a finished, then didn't he give his daughter, his 14-year-old daughter, to Joseph to Smith, Joseph Smith yep. Helen he Mark Kimball? Yep, Helen yeah. Mark Kimball, as he gave his daughter to her. And, and what about Valet? Was she that. just a piece of merchandise, yeah, I know. you know, just to be bargained for and handed over to be used as a testing tool? This is shameful, and it's dishonorable also. And this is how Warren Jeffs also tested his followers' loyalty, and other polygamy groups have done the same thing. But Jesus said, come, follow him. He didn't say, come, follow a church. He didn't say, come, follow some man. He said, come and follow him alone. Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, Jesus said, anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. In John 12, 26, Jesus said, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Nowhere will you find where Jesus says to follow or pledge allegiance to your church or your church leader. First Thessalonians. Yeah, Paul wrote this to the Thessalonians. We're not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. And that's what we need to do is please yeah. God, not men. Not men. Don't, don't please the people. Please God. And you can find out how to please God because His will is made known in the Bible. And that's why Jesus warned us so many times, watch out. And He did.
Okay, we have one more to go, but we're going to take our break right now, and we'll do the final one after the break. We'll open up our telephone lines if you want to call in and join the conversation, make comments, or ask questions, please do. Our phone number is 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. And while we're waiting for the calls to come in, we will share our message with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you, is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show. Uh, this is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And with our co-host, Earl Erskine, we have been talking the past four shows yeah. on uh, characteristics to look out for for counterfeit Christian religious groups or organizations. And there's been, uh, we had a total of 18. There's only one more to go. Yeah. And you can go online and, and look at the previous shows, whatloveisthis.tv, and it, will, it has all of our previous shows there. You can watch any of those shows to pick up on the first um, nine, I think it was, before yeah. tonight, um, to, to find out what you need to look out, the red flags, what you need to look out for. Our telephone lines are open. Our number is 801-973-8820 if you want to give us a call and have questions or comments or enter into the conversation. We have one more to go. 
uh, on this, and it's going to be a short one. It's number 18 characteristic of a counterfeit religious group, and it's isolation. And it often happens, isolation, because it easily controls the members. Yeah. Um, I know in, in the polygamy group I came from, they would isolate certain people into certain places. And if you were under discipline, they could isolate you in some desert location where you'd never get away or, or some other way. Yeah. Um, and and uh, other religious groups will do the same thing. The FLDS, for instance, the YFC Ranch in Texas sure, was, was isolated just, uh, out yeah. there. Pringle, South Dakota is isolated away uh, from society. Well, Joseph Smith used this quite effectively when he went to Kirtland and then to uh, Missouri and then eventually to Nauvoo and then Brigham mm -hmm. Young brings the saints mm -hmm. out here to uh, to Utah, which is yeah. very mm -hmm. isolated. It was, and, and he did it on purpose. Yeah. It's the only place nobody else wanted to be, and yeah. so he knew they would be safe there at least for a while. But children who grow up isolated never know what the real world is like, and that's what's dangerous. So they don't know to question things when they're not what they're supposed to be because they don't know what normal is. They don't know what abuse is really abuse. Uh, they don't know that getting married at 12 years old is illegal, and that starting a family while you're still in puberty isn't acceptable. They don't know these things because they're isolated from society, from the law, and from information. So if your group isolates people or isolates information or occupation or location, you're in an unbiblical, unsafe religious group and should make every effort to get out and take your loved ones with you. Now, there's much more we could have said about all of these, but for the yeah. sake of time, we kind of had to well, and edit they, them. And, and I think anyone fair, fair that's listening will see the application of this in their own life. If they're, if they're polygamist or, or mainstream Mormon, they'll see the, the implication and impact mm -hmm. of these mm -hmm. different concepts. Yeah, and, and if they could just, if they would just turn to God and, yeah. you know, just look for God alone and not, yeah. not people, not men, not rules and not a list of do's and don'ts. You know, God's came to set us free in Jesus and that's what he wants to do. Well, we have a couple of calls coming in here on line one. We have someone called Anonymous. So, Anonymous, you, do you have a question? Um, yes, um, about... I have a couple of questions, and I'll just go ahead and ask them, and then I'll hang up and take your answer on the TV. So, okay. Um, but about three weeks ago or so, um, you made a comment, and I just wanted to know if you would expound on it. Um, you said that repentance is not Mormon style, but that it is a one-shot deal, and I wanted you to expound on that and then give um, a definition of what uh, true biblical repentance is and um, how that fits in with being justified by faith and believing in Christ and then how you would explain to someone how what they must do to be saved, how they would be saved. Would be and saved. I will go ahead and hang up and take your answer on the TV. Okay, thank you. Thank oh, you. Uh-huh. If I recall right, that call was that somebody said that, that you, the pre repentance was a process, so that you yeah. had to go through the complete process, and he was speaking from a Mormon perspective. Right. Um, and uh, repentance, repentance is not a process. It is a one-time shot. Now, that doesn't mean that every time that we do something wrong, we don't continue to repent, because we do. But the repentance 
unto salvation or unto eternal life is a one-time uh, 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 change of attitude. It's a change of direction. In fact, the word repentance, if you get into a biblical dic dictionary and get the Greek word, which is what that word would be, it means to turn. It mm. means to turn from going your way to go God's way. It means you change your mind. You change directions. You're going this way, which is your way or somebody else's way or the Mormon way or the polygamy way, and you turn and decide to go God's way. That's repentance. Of course, that repentance Repentance also brings you a knowledge of your sin, your need to let go of your sin, your need to ask God forgiveness for your sin. All of that is involved in it, but it's a one-time deal. It's not a process, and you don't have to go through all of these horrible things that what that book that that miracle of forgiveness miracle of it's a miracle if you are forgiven when you you know go have to go through that book. It's horrible, but Jesus forgives the repentant heart. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. That's what the Bible says. Now, every day after we have done the, our initial repentance to ask for God's forgiveness for all of our sins, He gives us a blanket forgiveness. All of our sins are forgiven when we do that one time turning to God from whatever else that you were following. But then we maybe make a mistake, or no, maybe we do, and we, we sin, we, we make errors, we do all kinds of things that we continually have to say, God, I'm sorry, I, 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 help me not to do that anymore. And 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what our daily repentance does. The one-time repentance for salvation and then our daily repentance. And so it's not a process. It's just an attitude of life once we get saved. Now to tell somebody uh, how to get saved, Jesus said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's what he says. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now that word believe is an absolute exclusive trust in Jesus alone. Look it up in your Greek dictionary if you don't believe me. Please look it up. It means absolute reliance on Jesus alone for your eternal life. Nothing you can do, no church, no religion, no rituals, nothing else but believing on Jesus Christ. And anyone who trusts Jesus that much, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, will be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10, and Romans 10, 13. And your life will change when you turn from going your way and turn and go God's way, that's repentance, and then believing and trusting exclusively in Jesus Christ for your eternal life. Your life will change and so will your eternity. I hope that answers. Is I think it I answers it very well, no. But I, I do recall when, when Nicodemus came to Jesus and asked him about being uh, saved or uh, uh, anyway Jesus answered you must be born again mm -hmm. and uh, Nicodemus's first thought was well be born of, of water be born of water and of the spirit what you're talking about is being a, a born of the spirit mm -hmm. a, a one-time event yeah. a one-time event like being born of the water 
and then becoming a new creature, be, being regenerated and having that, uh, turning your life over to Christ and accepting Him as your mm -hmm. Savior and, and His shed blood that allows your sins to be completely paid for. So, mm -hmm. and that only But we, we know we're sinners and we yeah. know we fall short. Right. So we, we're in a continual effort to try to do better. But the sins, once we've accepted Christ as our uh, as our Savior and Mediator, then He's pa He's paid for all the sins. He's paid for all of our sins and forgives yeah. us uh, yeah. for our sins when we do that. And and the process that I explained is being born again. That's sure. right. Yeah. It it involves that repentance and it involves calling upon the name of the Lord. And yeah. and then He will come into your heart and life. That personal relationship we talked about earlier will take place. And and thing, your mind changes. Your 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 desires change. It's all things are new, like you say. It's, I didn't it's understand that as a as a Latter Day Saint. I didn't even have that concept. I thought I had to continue repenting, had to be worthy to partake of the sacrament, yeah. mm -hmm. and it's nothing of that. And, and you know, I find a lot of people really criticize and mock and laugh at us for using the word saved. Yeah. Um, both Mormons and polygamists, they don't get it. They don't. And they think, what do you, what do you, what do you mean saved? We don't need to be saved. Jesus said we do need to be yeah. saved. Yeah. He's, his mission, he said, was to seek and to save that which was lost. Yeah. And he's the Savior, which means he saves us. Yeah, that's right. And that's saving us from, from the consequence of our sin. And the consequence of our sin is eternal hell. That's what the Bible teaches. Okay, and that's a message this culture <laughs> hates as yeah. well. Line two, we have Bert calling from Santa Quinn. Hello, Bert. Hey, Bert, uh, Doris. Yes. And, uh, is there Yes. Hi. Well, uh, how are you guys tonight? Uh, just a devoted uh, viewer here, and uh, you had spoken about uh, the. Excuse me. Got to get away from the TV. But anyway, uh, you were talking about the article of faith, where they believe that uh, the Bible, as far as it's uh, correctly translated, and you know, my comment on that is. And I thought about this a lot, and it was one of the things that helped me understand really what, you know, uh, our uh, situation as human beings is. And that is where, you know, God gave us one commandment, and that was to, uh, that we could eat of any fruit of the trees in the garden, and except for the one, the knowledge of good and evil because in the day that we did, we would surely die, and Satan had tempted Eve and told her that we would not surely die, but we would become as God. So what I'm trying to say is, really, this church and this community and this culture, I should just say the culture that is here, um, that's, they're breaking the very first commandment that God gave us, mm -hmm. and they are falling into that very first law. That's right, they are. And it is so sad, um, you know, I, when I started watching your program a few years ago, Doris, you've been on there for six years now? Six years, tonight is our six, completes our sixth year, isn't that awesome? Uh, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, I've been watching you for five years, and uh, Heart of the Matter was one of the things that helped me really start to understand the Bible, and I... And the reason that I'm mentioning this is because I received a lot of pain in my life through uh, this culture. And although I'm not LDS, boy, it really, hmm. it really helped me see the light. And that's how Jesus found me, is through my pain 
and how I had to understand really what he is and and to witness the the life change and the freedom that he gives that he gives mm -hmm. and only mm -hmm. he can give and That's so right. that was quite ironic yes. that before uh, I was able to speak that the lady came on and, and asked about repentance because yeah. that was a huge turning point in my life and I am so glad that that happened mm -hmm. and I'm just very mm -hmm. grateful and blessed that I happened to on your show mm. uh, those few years ago and uh, you know I, I just think it's a one thing to know Jesus and uh, you know I, I wish everybody could but I, I know too. that he will yeah. only call to those who have here and eyes to see yeah. and I'm just blessed in that way yeah. and I just yeah. wish the best for everybody. Well, thank you, Bert. Thanks, Bert. We, we do appreciate yeah. your comments. And you know, one thing I have found out about this culture that I've discovered, I'm sure you have too, especially after we become Christians and find out about God and learn about who He is. He is so big. He is so huge. Yeah. He is so holy. He is so good. He is just, He is so everything. He, he fills the universe and more. And, and and yet the, the culture has him as a man, just you know, as a as yeah. a, and as, you know, a weak, a kind of a weakling. He, God can't do this, or God's not interested well, in the little things in my life and all this. When God is huge, and we can and we can become and like him too. You have to too. know that uh, you, yeah. you must let go of your pride because you cannot stand up to any of uh, the things that God that God is. And this, mm -hmm. and the Bible, there isn't a word in that book that is not true right. there isn't a meaning or proverb or supposition to any part of life that isn't true in that book that's right it it, it can teach you everything you need to know and you know even though we don't know the plans of god in that if you can trust in him and have faith in him alone yeah. that uh, you will be, he'll take care That's of it. That's right, and he'll take I care of it. I wish people could just understand that. Too. So, hey, Doris, I appreciate you taking my call. Thanks. You rock. Every time you uh, sign off on your program and you have your comment, I give you the big thumbs up. And yeah. That's <laughs> all too. right, Doris. That's, Thank God you. bless you. And uh, Earl, I'm, I'm so Thanks. happy for you, too. Thank you, Bert. Thank appreciate you for it. calling. We appreciate your comments. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, bye. You know, in, in closing, kind of closing up with what our talk on characteristics of counterfeit uh, Christian religious groups, we suggest that each of you, if you wonder about your group, take a step of courage and begin an in-depth investigation of your group. Your truth can stand up to any examination. You should discover the group's history. It's important. Read old publications about your group and find legal information about it, both past and present. And find out about its foundational teachings. They're of the utmost importance. Do they trust or do they reject the Bible? And watch out for any groups that have clothing requirements or food and drink restrictions or strange marriage practices, uh, gender roles that are dramatically defined which places the female below the male. Sexual manipulation and exploitation always results from twisted gender roles. God created male and female as equals, and so we cannot accept uh, those kinds of twisted gender roles that some of these groups do, and that's exactly what has happened with polygamy. Oh, uh, they, they've really twisted the gender roles. It's a patriarchal society we're in. That started with Joseph Smith. The patriarchal blessing and all that stuff. You know, the patriarchs were Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were the patriarchs. 
So what are we doing now, bringing this here, how many thousands of years forward, that was gone a long time ago? So anyway, thanks, yeah. Earl, for, for It's been my out. pleasure. I've really been, it's been <laughs> fascinating to go through these points, and I hope people will listen and mm -hmm. soften some hearts and try to make them think a little more. I do too, and thank you for watching. You know, all my life I was threatened with God's wrath whenever I failed to be perfect. As a result, I learned to hate and resent God. I was constantly reminded of how imperfect I was, and for that, God would destroy me. And every day I lived in fear that when he finally caught up with me, I would be, it'd be eternal pitchforks and hellfire for sure. But now, I have experienced God's love, not his hatred. And God's love should always be communicated in truth. We need to be sure that his love is correctly portrayed to others. His love is unconditional, but his love toward us never excuses and embraces our sins too. God really does hate sin. And his ultimate aim is to destroy sin and the source of sin, of course, which is the devil. In his love, God has made it as simple as possible for every sinner to receive eternal life. But man comes along and complicates what God made simple. Repenting of our sins and accepting eternal life God's way, which is by grace through faith and never by works, is God's only way to heaven. Every other way is an exercise in futility. The cross of Jesus Christ is God's demonstration of his love to us. He grieves for those who attempt to earn eternal life through polygamy or rites or rituals and ordinances and other dead works. Nothing we can do will ever change the fact that we have sinned against God. And nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ can wash away our sins. And Jesus said, if we die in our sins, we cannot go to be with him. They must be forgiven. You can place your trust in Jesus right now, forsaking everything else, and follow him only right straight into heaven. Thank you for watching, and good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.